Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you in part by Growmark FS. For over 95 years, we've led the game. Power, we restored it. Protection, we reinvented it. Record yields, we redefined it. If there's one thing we know at FS, it's that just because something hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. We're never satisfied unless we take your farming operation to the next level. Run your equipment at peak efficiency and bust the bins this season. Visit fssystem.com. The views and opinions of this program are those of the host, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome into Market Talk. Thanks for joining us here today on the program. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, and uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you and yours. Coming up on our program here today as we're continuing our conversations with some of our uh, favorite economist friends looking at the markets in the ag economy. We are going to talk later in the show with Ed Usset from the University of Minnesota. He has a, a new book out, the third edition of his uh, book series on grain marketing. We're going to talk about that and get a few thoughts from Ed as well as we wrap up 2023 and move into 2024 with these markets. So we'll get to that coming up in segment three and four. First up, though, on the show today, I had a conversation a few days ago with Chad Hart from Iowa State University looking at these markets as we wrap up the year and head to 2024. Let's listen into that conversation again with Chad Hart, economist and professor at Iowa State University here on Market Talk. Well, Chad, last couple of weeks, it's really felt like these markets have just kind of been in the holiday mode. That's pretty typical for this time of year. Uh, what's your thoughts here as we uh, take these markets into 2024? Let's just start broadly there. Well, that's the deal. Without anything else sort of happening within the marketplace, I think you're right. The idea is we're sort of drifting into 2024, waiting to see how some certain market factors develop over time. You know, I mean, the markets have been concentrating on South American weather, but it's been hit and miss. You know, every time we look at the forecast, it seems to flip. And so the markets have sort of, you know, they bounced around. But the idea is when you look at the sort of longer term trend, no, we've been sort of just treading water here now for the past couple of months because there hasn't been really any one factor to truly lead a charge either up or down. Well, you brought up South American weather, and it seems like that's really the only major story I could point to here that uh, traders are going to be watching through this holiday period and into the early part of January. And, you know, I, I, we've seen the forecasts that are calling for these decent rains to continue through the end of the year, really, in uh, Brazil and into the early part of January. I, I think it's going to be for a lot of traders if these rains do in fact verify and then once we get that calendar into January, that's when we could start really trading that South American weather news again. Do you think, Chad? I think so. And I, I think you're right. The idea is that's going to be the biggest thing that we're going to watch over the next few weeks here. But I'll put something else behind it as well. I mean, the idea is I think we want to look at that in concert with our weekly export sales. Does the trials and tribulations of weather down there for the South American crop lead to some additional export sales over the next few weeks. Because let's face it, you know, for the U.S. markets, we tend to need to dominate the global trade atmosphere 
as we move from our harvest basically into February. And so this is that period of time when we tend to gain some of that export sales share back. Can we do that given the weather problems that they're having? With some of the weather challenges, if there's a delay to Safrina corn planting, which is very much a possibility right now, uh, your thoughts on that export side here, I wonder, there's two two things here for my thought here, Chad. One, we have a lot of corn in the world, so I wonder if a Safrina crop issue could really have a big dent on the market. But in turn with that, to your point about exports, if we do see delays with Safrina, could that lead to more corn exports here from the U.S.? Your thoughts on, on taking it from that view, possibly? Yep. So when I'm looking at this, I would agree that it's that's something I am watching is not necessarily just the damage that's happening to the crops in the ground right now for South America. But yeah, looking at that second crop corn and how far does this delay that possible planting? What does that mean in terms of yield possibilities down there? And yeah, you're right that, you know, as far as global supplies of corn, we're sitting on the biggest corn production number we've ever had when we look at the 2023 crop. But the idea is any sort of limitation, especially in South Americans' production, does lead to some opportunities for our exports. And when you look at the export pace we've had over the past, well, basically two, three months within the corn market, we've been slowly building back up. Uh, to reach what I'm going to call typical levels. When you know, I looked at this week's report, for example, we're running just under the five-year average. So that's a recovery from where we were at a year ago at this time. It's still not as high as we've experienced recently, but it's not a bad place to be when we're looking for that export. Those export levels support prices as we move into 24. I wonder, too, especially for U.S. farmers on the corn side, we talked about this. Those bin doors are kind of shut here until 2024, it feels like. But there's still a lot of carry in this market. It feels like there's a lot of opportunity for corn sales here, potentially, depending on any sort of rally we may or may not see here, Chad. Well, that's the deal. I'd say what I'm watching for is more... You know, you're going to find those entities, those feed mills, those ethanol plants where they're going to have spot shortages where they're going to pop the basis up and offer up an opportunity that, you know, doesn't last long, but offers some good sales out there for folks, especially as we work through the next, say, couple of months here. The idea is that while a lot of folks, yeah, the, the, the bin door has been closed and won't open for quite some time. If you do have the ability to pop that bin open and you do have that ethanol plant or feed bill nearby, no, you're still going to be moving a little bit of corn through the holidays. How about soybeans? Any thoughts there? Are we worried about uh, some of the chart damage that's been done in the soy complex overall here as of late, Chad? We're worried about it, but at the same time, too, I'll, I'll point back to, you know, when you think about the corn uh, you know, situation, we're sitting with large supplies and stock levels here in the U.S. and in large global supplies. When I look at soybeans, yeah, we've got large global supplies, but the U.S. market is still really tight. We've got limited stocks when we're looking there. And so it does help provide a better floor underneath that market than we've got on the corn side. And the same sort of thing, I'm looking at that export potential as we move forward again. You know, if South America, especially Brazil, has problems, that usually opens up some opportunities for U.S. sales as we get into January and February. 
what's your thoughts on this overall ag economy as we move into 2024? Is it is it doom and gloom? Do we have a bright spot out here? What are you thinking, Chad? Well, I've described it as a return to normal, for lack of a better term. I think you think back over you know the course of 2021, 2022, early 2023, what we had were some very you know strong crop markets. We had profit margins that were very healthy through most of that period of time. Well, those have narrowed as we've you know hit here the end of 2023. And so as I talk to producers, it's not doom and gloom, but it's also not euphoria either. They're sort of settling in that, okay, things are a little rougher, but we're still in decent shape here. But they're also wondering is, you know, are we done pulling back? You know, going back to when you look at where prices are, you know, today versus where they could be six months from now, which way are we going? And that's why the volatility in the market does have people concerned for the future. But at the same time, too, I wouldn't call it doom and gloom about it. Well, once again, we're listening into a conversation I had a few days ago with Chad Hart, economist with Iowa State University. We will continue that convo coming up after the break here on Market Talk. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Stay up to date and listen to past episodes online at markettalkag.com. Now, back to Market Talk with Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk. As we continue, I had a conversation a few days ago with Chad Hart, economist and professor at Iowa State University. Let's continue that conversation right now here on the show. What's the biggest concern you're hearing for producers? Is it lower commodity prices? Is it the cost of inputs? Is it interest rates? All of the above? What are you hearing in those conversations around state, Chad? Well, that's the deal. It's all the above. I mean, I think when they're looking at pricing, for example, it's not that they're saying prices are really low. It's that, you know, prices have come down. At the same time, too, they've watched their cost structure go up. They know that, you know, when they go to get that operating note, they're going to face a higher interest cost there as well. And so it's just this, you know, sort of a nick here and nick there. And, and you know, you're, you, you feel the pain in various places here. But again, at the same time, too, these are small issues that are adding together as opposed to one big issue, which is torpedoing the situation within the economy. You brought up ag exports earlier, too, and we've had uh, a fair share of challenges here the fourth quarter of 23 and moving into 2024. We're not in the greatest position. We got low water levels on the Panama Canal. We have issues with the Red Sea, the Suez Canal. Uh, We've had this rail closure here uh, along the U.S.-Mexico border that's having a, a pretty big impact, backing up a lot of trains We've had issues with the Mississippi River with low water levels. So, I mean, you think about the ag export picture here and logistics. Logistics are having a tough time here as we start into the new year, Chad. They definitely are. And and I'd say that's, let's call that just another headwind as we look at trying to rebuild some of those export sales that we've got here. Um, as you mentioned, you know, the, the Mississippi River problems, we had them last year. We have them again this year. Um, you know, it adds to our cost of trying to, to reach those international markets. You combine that with, you know, basically the global markets are all facing the problems in the Panama Canal and the Red Sea region. 
Um, so it's, it's adding to the cost of doing business right now at a time when most U.S. markets need to have those additional international sales. Because I sort of frame it up as when we look across most of our ag markets, domestic demand's solid, but I would argue it's stable. And so if you're looking for growth in 2024, it's more than likely going to have to come from the international marketplace. And so it's going to make these logistical challenges um, more critical as we move into 2024. I think another thing that could maybe help some of that uh, export growth here as we get into 2024 is the overall U.S. economy. The talk of rate cuts from the Fed, uh, the dollar has been largely breaking lower here at the end of the year. The stock market's been setting new record highs. Um, your perspective on and where the overall economy stands right now, the talk of interest rate cuts by the Fed sometime in early 2024, What's your take on that part of our economy right now? Well, that's it. I'm, I'm fascinated by sort of what the Fed is saying and then how that's being translated by a lot of folks within the market. I think when you look at, you know, what the Federal Reserve has indicated about what they see for interest rates over next year, it's true that when you look at the dot plot, it is saying that they're expecting some rate cuts as we look into next year. In fact, Based on you know recent history, we would say we're looking at three rate cuts based upon what the dot plot, and everybody you know sort of translating that and saying that's going to happen at the beginning of the year. Yet, if you look at what most of the the folks that sit on the Fed board are saying, they're trying to say, yeah, we think rate cuts are ha- going to happen, but they're trying to push them later in the year. They're saying, you know, right now we're just looking for stability. We believe that we have taken the interest rate high enough to knock inflation back down to where we need it to get, but we're not there yet. And I think that's the crucial thing as we look into 2024 is what do we see in the near term over the next couple of months about inflation? Because that will set the stage on how the Fed actually does approach reducing interest rates if they feel they need to do that to try to stimulate the economy later in 2024. So if I'm a farmer or rancher, uh, we haven't touched on livestock yet. Uh, we'll get some notes from you for, on that here in a second. But just general risk management here with with a lot of these unknowns in front of us in terms of the economy and interest rates. I, I mean, I feel like it makes it tough to make a plan, a marketing plan, and manage your risk here to some degree with a lot of these unknowns that are out there. Chad, can you talk, talk about that a little bit? I mean, does it? make it tough to make a marketing plan right now? Well, it does just because like on the crop side, you're coming from a time where I could argue throughout the last two years, you know, especially thinking back late 2021 and 22 and even early 2023, I could argue you were always seeing prices that above were above your production costs. That makes marketing easy. As far as you know, any move you make, you're probably making money on that. Now, it doesn't mean you're making the most money you can, but at least you knew that you were in fairly solid financial condition. We look at the markets today. No, like I say, it's more around break even. Corn's probably a little bit below. Soybeans a little bit above. But the idea is it means that it's more challenging to necessarily capture that profit. 
But at the same time, what it does is it forces us to really evaluate the business. We need to pay more attention to cost than we have in the past. When you've always got a profit, you don't tend to worry about that cost creep that we've seen. Well, now you do. So now it you know makes sense to comparison shop. Look around. See if you can find deals on your seed, on your fertilizer, on your fuel to try to keep those costs in check. At the same time, too, I think it emphasizes, hey, when you get a price that is above your cost of production and you know you're getting some cash flow off of that, maybe make that move instead of waiting for it to go 25 cents higher again. Um, I like to sort of say that, you know, when you think about marketing and agriculture, we tend to overemphasize what we've just recently been through and underplay what we've learned over our long history. And with ag, our long history is this is usual where we're, you know, we're constantly pricing around break even. That means that, you know, those little decisions do matter and we do need to pay attention to them as we move through 2024. Chad, before we wrap it up today, too, I want to get some thoughts uh, from you in the livestock sector as we uh, end the year. Cattle, hogs, uh, it's been uh, quite a ride this year. Um, And I know, especially on the cattle side, we're waiting to see if this herd's going to get rebuilt in 2024. Uh, Hogs has been a bit of a dismal market to watch. I mean, you think about all these different factors with the economy and more that's tying itself into livestock too. Any thoughts in terms of cattle and hogs here as we wrap up the year, Chad? Yeah. As I look at cattle, I I think the challenge here is let's face it, that we had a a big run through most of 2023 and then we pulled basically all that off here within the last couple of months. And it's because we are trying to figure out when does this herd rebuild start? And I think all indications right now tell me it's probably 2025 before we start to get there. You know, a lot of farmers had been sort of thinking about gearing up, but let's face it, the market was rewarding you. If you had that young heifer, she was coming up and you could decide, okay, do I do I keep her and breed her out or do I put her in the feedlot? Well, we're still putting her in the feedlot right now. The value is still being captured there, but that's going to have to flip sometime over the next year to start to rebuild the herd. On the hog side, you're right. It has been dismal. I mean, it's not that prices are bad. In fact, I could argue prices are good. It's just the costs are so high right now that it has made this an incredibly rough year for the hog industry. And it's an industry that's been trying to contract a little bit. If you think about what we've been doing on the breeding herd side, you know, on the intended farrowings, we've been trying to knock those numbers down. But the problem is our productivity is just amazing right now. You look at the pig safe per litter and we set a record every quarter. We look at that data and by adding those extra pigs with each litter, we continue to just sort of grow the hog, you know, pork production up. And that's been a, a major challenge here. So prices haven't been able to move much to try to catch up to the cost that we face within the industry. And I think that's the, the challenge for the hog industry in 2024 is trying to get those costs back in line with where prices are currently at. Well, great thoughts. Always uh, enjoy a conversation. I wish you and yours uh, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Chad Hart, economist with Iowa State University. Chad, thanks for joining us on the show today. Appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. And once again, great conversation I had just a few days back with Chad Hart, economist and professor at Iowa State University. Really appreciate Chad making the time to join us here on the show during the holidays and the end of the year. 
All right, coming up next, we're going to have a conversation with Ed Usset from the University of Minnesota. He has a new book out, the third edition of his Grain Marketing is Simple, It's Just Not Easy book. We're going to talk about that and take a look at the markets and his thoughts as we wrap up the year. We'll get to that conversation with Ed coming up here after the break on Market Talk. Your local FS is member-owned, and that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, you're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out-yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or High Soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and High Soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, joining us now on the program, always pleased to have a conversation with our next guest, and he has a new book available, which I happen to uh, have a copy of with me here. Grain Marketing is Simple. It's just not easy is the title of the book. And the author is Ed Usset from the University of Minnesota. And Ed, thanks so much for joining us on the program here today. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Happy New Year as well. Uh, coming up here. I hope you're doing well, Ed. I'm doing great, Jesse. And thank you for having me on. So as I mentioned, I have a copy of the book with me. Uh, Grain Marketing is Simple. I just got this in the mail here the other day. So thank you for sending me a copy of this. Let's just start uh, your thoughts. Um, you know, putting this book together, I'm sure, couldn't be easy. It is a very long book, but uh, I'm chock full of a lot of information. Just your starter, for starters, your thoughts on, you know, why did you sit down and put this book together, Ed? Well, it is Jesse the third edition. The, the first edition came out in 2007. I seem to be on an eight-year cycle. The second edition, 2015, and the third edition now just a, a month ago or so it was released, and uh, it is available. And uh, why a third edition? Well, we I use real data in the book to, to make points about how to write a pre-harvest marketing plan how to write a post-harvest marketing plan. I talk about five common mistakes in grain marketing. Well, now I've got 30 years of, of data, over 30 years, 32, 33 years of, of real data. I also switched my source of cash price data for, for my, the first two editions. I focused on one market in Southwestern Minnesota. Now I've gone to average Iowa prices. And I think it just speaks more broadly to uh, uh, the Corn Belt in general. I wanted to address uh, this coming boom in biofuel uh, production, renewable diesel. And really, I, I, I spend some time going back to the second golden age of American agriculture, what I call the period 2007 to 2014. For your listeners who remember just uh, six to seven great years of incredible prices, great to good to, to fantastic. And 
I wanted to address the the question, well, when things get crazy like that, should I throw the book out and do it a different way? And I'm making the argument based on that analysis, no, you shouldn't. So keep that in mind as we go ahead in the next two, three, four years. If um, renewable diesel throws the soybean market into turmoil, because we're going to need more soybean acres if this happens the way it's going to. And it's really an echo of the ethanol boom from a decade ago. So I wanted to explore that. And of course, Jesse, I could not uh, put out a third edition without a couple of new uh, characters to explore my ideas. So I have a couple of new characters, uh, Tammy and Tommy Two-Step, who explore uh, marketing from start to finish. They combine pre-harvest and post-harvest uh, marketing, and I've got data that shows that it, it pays off. Well, uh, great stuff here. And uh, not to give too much away, we want folks to purchase the book and read the book, uh, but you know, you mentioned this, and it's part one, some of the uh, the common mistakes in grain marketing. Um, set this up for us if you can, Ed, just uh, kind of an overview of, of what are some of those common mistakes or maybe what is the, the top mistake in your eyes that you talk about in the book here in terms of, you know, what do we mess up when we're doing our grain marketing, Ed? Well, first of all, the, the, the origins of this idea of, of eliminating mistakes. I mean, I started this some 25 years ago and got the idea talking to producers who had sometimes odd ideas about the, how the market worked and what it was doing for them. And, and I was seeing mistakes. And uh, maybe this is a good time of year to think about this, Jesse. It's it's uh, it's uh, we're coming into the playoffs for the NFL pretty soon. We've got the college bowl games coming up, and I want you to imagine your favorite football team, and how much better they'd be if they just quit jumping offside in the red zone, if they didn't throw an interception at the wrong time. Just eliminate the mistakes. You don't have to jump higher, run faster. To, be better, to improve your game. And in fact, I think it's a common theme in sports. Teams that don't make mistakes are consistently better. Do they win it all every year? Not necessarily, but they are competitive. So it's the same idea. Some of the mistakes I talk about, and I don't rank them. I think they're all important. The reluctance towards uh, pre-harvest marketing, this idea that today, looking ahead to 2024, um, there are still people out there. Well, you just can't price a crop. You haven't planted yet. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's Christmas time. You want me to think about next year's crop? Yes, I do. We should be thinking about that. Um, not understanding basis. Everybody, you, your reach, Jesse, with Market Talk is very wide through the Corn Belt. My idea of what a normal basis is in southern Minnesota is different from someone else's idea in southern uh, Illinois or North mm -hmm. Dakota. Know your basis. Understand when it's good, when it's bad. Not having an exit plan. you got a lot of listeners right now, Jesse. They've got corn in the uh, bin. And uh, they're waiting. And I'm, I'm always asking them, well, you're waiting for what? What price? What time? Et cetera. That lack of an exit strategy leads to the fourth mistake I like to talk about. And here I've got a, 
a favorite character by the name of Hank Holder who illustrates it, people who simply hold grain in storage too long. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 it can pay off. This is the, this is the not easy part of marketing. <laughs> Once in a while, I, I would say one out of five years or so, uh, this person, the, my my friend Hank Holder, who holds the corn and the soybeans and the wheat too long, you know, it pays off. He beats everyone. It's the other four out of five years we don't want to talk about. I'll remind listeners that uh, corn prices uh, for the first half of this year, 2023, cash corn prices of uh, $6 or better were very common in the first half of the year, at least the first four months. And then well over $5 a bushel for many more months. And now, if you waited all the way to late August into September, you were getting under $5 a bushel. And it, it hurts. And the last mistake is all about misunderstanding carrying charges in the market. It gets uh, a very important concept. I won't bore your listeners with it today, but... Uh, it's a very important concept to understand carrying charges. Well, I like the fact too that you you know you mentioned the carrying charges and just looking at the pricing tools in general. General, I know, I for one, I don't sit here and trade you know contracts mm-hmm. or sell quarter beans, but I always like to learn more about the different options that are out there. And and Ed, I think for some farmers, that could be a little unnerving maybe a little scary they don't you know know all the tools and they just assume not you know use them versus you know sitting with someone and learning more about them maybe i think sometimes that could maybe come into play would you agree with that ed yeah uh, the pricing tools particularly when you get into the idea of uh, uh, having a a margin account uh, with a broker and uh, dealing with futures and options, it can be a little, it can be intimidating, frankly, for a lot of producers. And yet I think, uh, and I should qualify this, you don't have to use those tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have some benefits, some real benefits, but you don't have to use them, mainly because a lot of uh, local elevators and markets that your listeners go to, they're offering cash uh, uh, market tools that reflect some of the benefits you can find in futures and options, minimum price contracts, and so on. However, I think you should still understand them. So um, uh, the the chapter I have on pricing tools, where I take you all the way from a simple forward contract all the way up to min max contracts, is important. I think I think you need to understand those things. Um, even if you're not going to use them, maybe you've got a market advisor who's going to use them. You know, I don't, I don't understand the full tax code, but I, I, I should. You and I should have a sense of it. So uh, mm-hmm. the people we hire to do it for us aren't doing something just crazy. Well, I gotta say, uh, really uh, enjoying this conversation so far, and I think it is a, a fun way to wrap up the year 2023 and move into a new year ahead, 2024. We are talking today with Ed Usset from the University of Minnesota, the Center for Farm Financial Management at the University of Minnesota. 
And uh, we are going to continue our discussion with him, talk more about his book. The third edition of Grain Marketing is Simple, It's Just Not Easy. And uh, we'll get some thoughts from Ed, too, uh, about these markets in general as we are wrapping up the year and moving into 2024. I do want to pick his brain on a couple of other topics here as well as we work through uh, the uh, last segment here on Market Talk today. We will be back with more of our conversation with Ed Usset from the University of Minnesota on the way right after this. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. We are having a conversation here today with Ed Usset from the University of Minnesota talking about the third edition of uh, Grain Marketing is Simple. It's just not easy. And uh, this just came out. A lot of great stuff. And, you know, Ed, too, I, I, you've alluded to some of the characters you have in here. And I, I love the fact that you use these characters to kind of try and make this fun. You know, Barney Binless, Hank Holders, you mentioned uh, a lot of great characters in here and just kind of. Trying to wrap all this up, and I think it's a good time of year for folks to really look at their marketing plan here during the holidays. They have some downtime with family, but they gotta they gotta square up the books. Thinking about 2024, they gotta start making input decisions. So, you know, looking at some of these things that you lay out in your new book, I, I think are very important as you develop a marketing plan, not just a yeah, a couple thoughts on a piece of paper, but actually having a plan, right, Ed? Yeah, uh, we're bombarded. Producers are bombarded with outlook, opinions on the market, what, what's happening in Brazil with weather, South America, politics in Argentina. We're bombarded with the outlook. And I tell people, uh, Try doing an in-look at your own operation, your own production costs. You know, this book... Uh, uh, Jesse, this is not something that your listeners are going to curl up with in front of a fire with a snifter of brandy and a big cigar. It's not that type of reading. But I do have, for example, a chapter on uh, how to write a pre-harvest marketing plan. And a lot of people might find that useful in the next month or two as they start focusing uh, on 2024. So it, it's almost... Uh, uh, a reference book for grain marketing. I'm not sure if there's anything else. I, I haven't seen anything else like it on the market. So uh, I've, I've, get, I've received a lot of nice comments from producers over the years on this book, and I appreciate them. Well, I know you just mentioned that a lot of uh, producers are bombarded with thoughts and outlooks on the markets. And uh, not to put you in this position too, Ed, but I want to ask you uh, just about the current state of the markets here as we wrap up 2023. Is you know, it's that time of year where these uh, grain markets especially get into that holiday malaise type of mode. They get quiet. They can get thin. We can get some volatile moves on thin activity. But overall, your thoughts, uh, we got a big USDA report coming up here in January that's always a market mover. 
Um, what's the biggest thing you're watching here in these grain markets as we roll the calendar over to 2024, Ed? Uh, well, first of all, I look at uh, March corn setting a life of contract low yesterday. And keep in mind, Jesse, these doggone contracts trade for three and a half, four years. So it's been a long time since we've been down around the 470 mark. It's a big bah humbug for the uh, uh, Christmas spirit. We're focused on South American weather uh, and demand, always got an eye on demand. But, you know, the attention is that we know our crop, or we think we do. We don't think the January, I don't think the January report's going to surprise us about our own crop. But um, we're focused on South American weather. Brazil is our big competitor on soybeans and corn. Argentina just had an, an election. They have a, a whole new way of uh, thinking, a new leader in there. And we're wondering how that shakes out. These are the things that we're going to be focused on. I will tell you that even as I talk about pricing uh, or thinking about the 2024 crop, I'm not rushing into it to price it. I'm, I'm looking at uh, November new crop soybeans for next year and December new crop corn futures both at levels that are just not exciting me. But you know what? It's the uh, end of December or mid-December. We got a lot of time. So that's why I encourage people to have a plan. Think about where would you start? Because stuff happens. And if it happens, will you be ready to act? Good thoughts. Uh, one other thing I want to ask you about, because I know last time you and I talked, we, we talked about the expansion of soybean crush here in the U.S. Yes. I'm hearing some chatter that we could maybe see some of that shift in acres to soybeans here in spring 2024 in the U.S. Do you think we could see a major shift in acres? Are you hearing any chatter from farmers uh, here through winter meeting season, et cetera, as we start to figure out what we're going to put in the ground here in the spring, Ed? I haven't done enough meetings to develop my own sense. I'm just looking at the corn-soybean relationship, and I think uh, soybeans look pretty attractive right now. And some of that expansion we talk about, it's happened in the last uh, year, and there are several other plants going to open up the year ahead. Soybeans seem to be, at least as we speak today, the more interesting play as we get out into the spring. Well, Ed, uh, as far as the new book, Grain Marketing is Simple, It's Just Not Easy, the third edition, uh, where could folks find their copy of this? I'm sure there's uh, many ways they could find it online, et cetera. Where, where could folks find uh, a copy of your new book, Ed? Okay. Well, I'm uh, at the Center for Farm Financial Management at the University of Minnesota. I think if you Google my name, you'll find uh, our center. Uh, the web address for the book is CFFM cffm.umn.edu and then backslash simple and you'll come to a place where you can order the book. You can also just Google the book. It's not something you're going to find on Amazon or in your local bookstore. We sell it directly uh, through lulu.com. You can also find it there. So Google, Google away and if you don't know how to Google Ask your uh, nine-year-old granddaughter or something like that. <laughs> well, with that, we do appreciate uh, a little bit of your time here today. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you, Ed. Thanks for joining us on Market Talk. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon.
Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you too, Jesse, and thank you again for having me. Once again, Ed Usset there from the University of Minnesota. We're out of time here on Market Talk today. Happy New Year to you and yours. I hope your grain marketing and livestock marketing in the year ahead is amazing as well. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks for listening to Market Talk. Your local FS is member-owned, and that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, you're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or high soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and high soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company.